Hello and welcome to Rooftop, the UK's only dedicated roofing podcast brought to you by NFRC. I'm Phil Campbell. And I'm Pip Applegate. In this podcast, we interview industry figures, thought leaders and technical experts to make sure you are leading in roofing excellence. We will also bring you regular features, which will include things like topical news discussions, technical tips and guidance to help you stay safe on site. Unfortunately, with lockdown being in place, we've not made it into the recording studio this time, but we hope to get back there when restrictions are eased. So apologies for any sound issues. We've tried our best. So on this episode, we're joined by Maria Coulter, also known as a construction coach. We're talking to Maria to find out a bit more about her background and her coaching business, her experience of working with businesses to help achieve their goals. But first up, let's run through the latest news. Um, what's recently grabbed your attention, Phil? So the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has recently announced a 10-point plan for an industrial revolution. Okay, go on. Well, it's all part of of Boris's reset. He's trying to reinvent himself a little bit after a a turbulent period of political events over recent weeks, which I won't go into. But he's looking (laughs) for positive messages um, on big areas such as the environment. He also wants to be seen to be ambitious on environmental issues ahead of the COP26 summit in Glasgow next year. So that's the big UN summit, which has been hosted in the UK next year. Okay. And so he hopes that this plan that he announced um, uh, at the start of November will have to create over 250,000 skilled green jobs and have the UK um, get, get towards net zero by 2050, which is no mean feat. Mm. Um, he also wants to focus a lot of this £12 billion investment into the UK's industrial heartlands, um, which some would say um, have been neglected a bit by government policy of late. Um, so areas such as the North East, Yorkshire and Humber, um, and also in the devolved nations of Scotland and Wales. Um, so really, this is all part of his, his levelling up agenda as well. OK, so um, what is actually within the 10-point plan then? Well, it's quite a broad range of things from everything from offshore wind to hydrogen, nuclear power, electric vehicles, and even things like carbon capture. Okay, but that doesn't sound very very relevant to roofing. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point, Pim. Well, <laughs> within all of that, there, there were some, some good announcements for, for our industry, actually. And the big one, which you may have seen in the press, is around the Green Homes Grant. And so this is the, the government incentive scheme to encourage people to upgrade the energy efficiency of their homes. And uh, this has come into all sorts of problems because the government have um, uh, required a certain standard for, to do this work called PAS 2030. And what they didn't quite realise is how few installers actually had this accreditation. Um, mm. And so you know, a lot of roofers, for example, didn't have PAS 2030 and have had to apply for this accreditation. Um, and before they had this um, ridiculous deadline of March 2021, when the scheme was actually only really launched in late September, early October in 2020. And so the government have seen sense after joint lobbying from um, bodies like the NFRC to, mm-hmm. to extend the scheme, and they've extended it by a year now. So this, this will come as a welcome relief to our industry. Um, and we'll, it will mean that further work over the year ahead as well, as the government are going to put another billion pounds into this scheme. Wow, that sounds impressive. Is there anything else that our roofers um, should know about? Yeah, so another interesting piece within there was around the future home standard. Um, and so this is um, 
the new standards around building regulations for new build housing, um, which was due to come in in 2025 and is likely to reduce CO2 emissions from new build homes by 75 to 80%. Um, so a lot of the headlines really focused on um, what this will mean for things like gas boilers. Um, but also within that standards is quite a high, a high level of energy efficiency standards in the fabric of a house. So that means okay. you have things like, as well as walls, you've got roofs as well. So clearly mm -hmm. relevant to, to, uh, to, uh, to roofers. So um, they've brought this forward by two years to 2023 now. Okay. So clearly now, um, whereas before we had a few years to prepare for this, it's now going to be much sooner, which mm. arguably isn't such a bad thing for our industry because um, large house builders will now have to rely on specialist contractors like roofers to help achieve these new targets. Mm -hmm. Okay, but um, what, what do you think is uh, is missing? Well, so if you saw the headlines after this announcement, um, there were, there were quite a few people criticising it for not going far enough. The Labour Party actually criticised it for being deeply, deeply disappointing in ambition and saying yeah. it was not to properly tackle the climate emergency or the jobs crisis created by the coronavirus. But for our part, um, you know, we, we're, we're quite happy with a few of the announcements, like I mentioned, Green Homes Grant, the Future Home Standard. Um, there was also a bit in there around energy efficiency in, in non-domestic um, buildings as well, which is something we've, we've been uh, lobbying on too. Um, but we would have liked to have seen a bit more of a longer term strategy. So one of the criticisms of the Green Homes Grant is very short term. You know, even with a year extension, it's only really for two years. What comes after that? If you're a manufacturer making insulation, you want a bit more long term certainty to that if you're going to put a lot of resource um, into producing insulation. Also for our trade members, um, if they're going to upskill their teams, apply for accreditation, they want to know there's going to be work here in the long term, not just for two years. So we want a bit more long term certainty. Um, also, just some things like um, um, solar. There was very little mention of solar, and we, we think that's a very good way of the UK achieving its net zero targets. But the price of solar has come down dramatically um, mm. recently. Um, and also, that's something that our members can upscale and install. So, we would like to see some more um, things around solar, particularly around reforming things like business rates, where currently businesses, if they install solar on their roof, they're actually penalizing the business rate system. Gosh, okay. Um, and so probably to, to wrap things up, what's next? <laughs> well, so um, at the end of this document, there was a lot of different consultations uh, promised. You know what that means, that we're going to be coming out to members to, to, to consult. Um, but this is a great opportunity for industry to play its part in helping to achieve this uh, ambition that the, the Prime Minister has set out. And we will be really interested to hear industry's thoughts on the proposals as they come out in consultations over the coming weeks and months. So please let us know your thoughts. So, Pip, what news item have you got for us this episode? Well, we're all well aware that construction, um, including roofing, was pretty hard hit at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, um, mostly through unclear government guidance on whether we could work, you know, continue work on site, but also issue with supply chains affecting lead times and so on. Um, but all in all, recent reports have indicated signs of recovery, showing that the industry has adapted pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, uh, NFRC research recently has showed that members are, you know, are extremely busy at the moment. Um, there's a mixture of pent-up demand, but also you know, a lot of um, projects in the um, domestic repair and maintenance sector, people upgrading their home and things like that. So it is a really busy time for our members at the moment. 
absolutely. And and I recently saw an article which caught my attention, and um, probably due to the link in marketing and promotion, um, but it echoed a point about businesses adapting due to the pandemic, and it picked up on how consumers and businesses are changing the way they actually communicate. Um, now, for anyone like me, and probably yourself, Phil, being office-based roles, hmm. or should we say home-based for the time being, that communication shift is evident as the video call has now become the daily norm. Yeah, tell me about it. I've been a bit zoomed out, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but over recent months, due to the pandemic, about three quarters of business owners overall and a whopping 90% of the tradesperson industry have introduced alternative types of service um, mm. as well. And I don't mean changing what their business does, but the way that they communicate and provide some elements of it. So our contractors out there are really showing themselves to be quite an adaptable lot. That's, that's positive. But um, what kind of things have they, they been using this for then? So examples of this shift in service or services, if you like, include things like businesses now being able to take online bookings um, or where possible, rather than face to face, they can carry out online video consultations and even some of them introducing things like contact payment, sorry, contactless payment systems. Um, the best news is that the vast majority of these services now appear to be working really well and a lot of people want to keep them in place for the future. Well, I guess that makes sense. You know, once you get this kind of thing set up, you're going to want to continue to use alternative approaches. Yeah, absolutely. And perhaps most interestingly, the biggest winner in communication channels for tradespeople seems to be instant messaging. Um, and about one in four of them are using Facebook now to communicate, which uses the Messenger app. And just over one in five have embraced using WhatsApp. Um, and businesses who have been using this instant messaging say that they've actually found it really effective. And about half of them say that it's, they've actually seen an uplift in inquiries due to instant messaging. Wow. So I think this is a, a real testament to our industry. Not only have they adapted to things like COVID safe working, but actually they've adapted to new technology as well, pretty much overnight. So it's a real, it's a real kind of positive message for our sector, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, really for our roofing contractor members mm. um, who are out there not currently using things like Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp, I think it's it's worthwhile being open-minded and trying out these new means of communicating with, the, with their customers. It's certainly evident that consumers are more likely to buy from a company that communicates with them through their preferred channel. Mm. Um, so, for our listeners out there, why not head to Facebook and set up or resurrect perhaps your, your business page and see how instant messaging might help your business. Um, best of all, there doesn't have to be a cost involved to set these things up, just an investment of your time. And I would just say, if you are going back onto social media, make sure you do follow um, all of the NFRC's different channels, because uh, we, we post some really interesting, engaging content. I'm always happy to hear from you, our members on there. So do, do, do like and share our posts. <laughs> So we're joined on this episode by Maria Coulter from Construction Coach. Maria is a business coach and trainer in the construction industry. She works with small and medium-sized companies and micro-businesses in construction and the built environment to help them get clear on their vision, sense of purpose and motivation to build a sustainable and profitable business. Her ethos with the construction revolution is to move away from the race to the bottom on cost and dive deep into construction businesses to find their profit stealers. So, Maria, welcome to our podcast, and thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. 
Um, could you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got involved in the industry and particularly how did you get involved with coaching? Yeah, so thank you, Philip and Pip. It's great to be on your podcast. Um, so, I mean, I've been in construction and I do feel a bit old now for about 30 years. Um, so I started um, when I was about 16, uh, decided that I wanted to to get into the construction industry. And I did a BTEC in building studies many years ago up in the northeast. Um, and then I made the decision to uh, become a quantity surveyor. So that's what I went and did. And uh, and I, I remember having some work experience. And that was what <laughs> kind of really um, got me excited about construction. And, and I went on to become a, a quantity surveyor and a chartered surveyor and then a project manager. But it was around about the time of the last recession. Um, I think my eyes were really open to a lot of the negative culture that we've got in the industry. You know, we've got sort of classic boom and bust behaviors that happen um you know when people are feeling fear um you know they tend they can tend to lash out I saw a lot of negative behavior on site when I was working and you know people not being fairly treated and I felt like in a lot of ways you know I wasn't um fairly treated some of the time Mm. and I started having coaching myself um just to I suppose build my confidence and and get really clear about myself and what I wanted for my future and and what my values were and things like that um and that just really kind of opened my eyes to you know the amazing difference that culture can make Mm. and then I made the decision to to train as a coach so I took time out of my job you know and holidays and things like that and trained to be a coach and um and then it just got to the stage where the calling got so great and I thought well I just want to make a positive difference in the industry and I can't do it you know just where I am right now so I just took a massive risk and started construction coach about six years ago okay it sounds it sounds like it's been a proper a proper you know driven by passion in that respect you know yeah make take that leap of faith and things as well that's really brave yeah I mean yeah it was it it just I just felt so passionately about you know wanting to to bring change to the industry and I just thought well if I don't do it I'll regret it for the rest of my life so I just jumped off a massive cliff (laughs) here I am (laughs) so could you tell us a bit more about your business and and the kind of people you work with yeah, so it's definitely grown and evolved. Um, like I didn't set out specifically to work with SMEs and micro businesses. I thought I'd be working more with larger organisations, but I've really just gone with the flow. And I found that the combination of skills that I've got, so the project management, the quantity surveying, I did risk management when I was a project manager as well, as well as being a coach. I found that it's really ideally suited to small businesses because I can I can give them that sort of strategic perspective and I can ask them the coaching questions. But I can also bring in my project management and the QS and skills to kind of, you know, highlight where I think they might be at risk. So if they're at risk, you know, if they haven't got the right contracts in place, um, you know, if they're not um, sort of, you know, getting things um, set up in the right way, if Mm. I think they're going to be at risk either legally or financially, I can kind of, you know, steer them in in that direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So 
clearly we're operating in interesting times at the moment. Uh, COVID doesn't seem to be going away in the short term. We do have some vaccines on the horizon, but we're looking likely maybe the first two quarters of next year that definitely uh, COVID is going to be playing a factor in in, in businesses when they're, when they're forecasting for the future. Um, we also uh, have a lot of uncertainty around the economy at the moment, and particularly with, with Brexit coming next January. Um, so what advice would you, you give to small roofing contractors who are preparing for those winter months, um, particularly around their finances, how they get through those, those months? Um, I think this is where, um, I mean, you used the term at the beginning um, when you were introducing me about the profit stealers. So this is something that, you know, when I'm working with my clients, um, I help them to sort of identify where they are. And I think it's been really interesting through working with companies the past few years as I've noticed all of the commonalities between these small businesses and the fact that um, they do have similar, similar challenges. Mm. Um, so I think there's definitely areas in their business where they could potentially be saving money to, to maximise their profits. And I think... One of the common themes that I'm noticing with some of my clients recently is really looking at their processes and procedures, you know, starting to adopt new technology, using applications and things like that, um, that's going to save them time and they're going to be more organised as well. So I definitely think that having a look at that and investing in that could potentially save more time and money in the future. And also just things like, you know, sometimes if they haven't got proper processes and systems in place they're not going to be um proactive with regards to getting materials and things like that they might be more reactive mm. which means that they're going to be paying more at the builders merchants if they're not yeah. sort of getting more organized so there's definitely areas like that and also how they're managing their subcontractors because i know a lot of um self-employed um micro businesses they don't necessarily employ people they mm. employ other subcontractors mm. yeah. um and if they haven't got things set up in the right way, like if they haven't got proper contracts in place and also they're not sort of getting the right performance and not setting standards for the performance, sometimes if they're on labour only, mm. you know, and they're not setting proper timescales and things like that, then, you know, the programme could just be drifting mm. and, you know, that that's going to impact on their, their profit margins as well. And also getting the programs in place and that I think is really important. So they want to to make the most out of their resources. Mm. So it's really taking that time to review things can be of huge benefit to people really, can't it? Mm. Um, yeah. I was going to say, what within one of your podcasts, you had a lovely line, I thought, um, which talked about companies needed to place value on themselves and their people. And I thought that was, that was you know, hugely important. But obviously, it's a very different challenge getting that message across to the consumer. Do you think you have sort of a focus, if you like, for helping companies not, as we said before, to race the bottom, but to aim high? And, and, and what advice would you give a small roofing company on how they price work sort of around that kind of ethos? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the challenge that we've got in the industry and I think um, that one of the podcasts was with Rob Boer and that yes. was about money. And, you know, he talks about the fact that construction is a commodity. So we are a commodity and, you know, basically people are judging us on pricing, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where the race to the bottom comes in. Like if if everybody, you know, if everybody seemed to be the same, there's no differentiator. Yeah. And I think that's where the, 
the value themselves and value their people a bit comes in because I think I think a lot of people in the industry have kind of been conditioned to think of themselves as, as a commodity as well so they're not really you know valuing themselves um and letting other people understand what that value is mm-hmm. and I'm thinking around you know if it kind of links with values as well so your values is what's important to you mm. and your values you know make a difference and if you can demonstrate your values to your clients so for example one of my clients um one of their values is we say what we're going to do like you mm. know we say we do what we say we're going to do basically mm. and there's a lot of trust um issues in our industry so i think there's a lot of mistrust from the public in yes. in our industry. They kind of think, well, yeah, they say they're going to finish that, but I don't really believe them because such and such down the road, you know, they've always had trouble with the people that they work with. Mm. And so I think if you've got values, it's, you know, like we, we do what we say we're going to do and you're starting to build that trust, mm-hmm. then if you can get that across in your marketing, in your in your materials, and in how you're presenting yourself as a company, and, you know, your website, um, then I just think that that will start to make a difference and start to set you apart from your competitors, so people might be inclined to pay a little bit extra to, mm. to work with you. That reassurance there, yeah. Okay, um, so just... Looking ahead a little bit, um, so early next year, we're going to have reverse charge VAT, which is going to have a huge impact on the industry, particularly around cash flow. And uh, one of the phrases you used once, which I thought was really nice, is about making sure that cash actually flows through businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, clearly at the moment for our sector in particular in roofing, our members are extremely busy at the moment and they're, they're trying to get all the work done before you know, the weather starts getting worse and, and before, before Christmas. Um, so they're clearly you know, bringing a lot of revenue at the moment, but you know, looking forward is much more uncertain. So how how would you recommend they manage the, the, that cash flow and, and to make sure that you know they, they have money constantly running through their business and they're not in a situation next year when they actually they run out of money and and you know they're in a difficult position. Um, <clears throat> I think they've got to really know their numbers. And I think they've got to really kind of think about, well, what do I need to be getting out of my business? Mm-hmm. Um, and and how is that business going to bring that sort of cash flow in for me? And I think one of the things I'm noticing with people I've been working with is they don't necessarily have the right processes and procedures in place to manage their cash flow. So they don't necessarily know kind of which jobs are the most profitable. Um, they might not necessarily have the right spreadsheets in place or, or financial systems and things like that. So I would be suggesting, suggesting that... Um, they do everything that they can to know their numbers, to get real visibility of of what they need and, you know, which jobs are losing money, which jobs aren't. So, for example, there might be certain subcontractors that they're working with who just aren't very efficient. So do they need to be reviewing who they're working with and, and what their kind of ethos and work ethic is to then start to look at, you know, bringing different people in who might have a different attitude and 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 might sort of um make a difference with regards to productivity mm-hmm. yeah it might have to make sense isn't it um i, I was going to say sort of a slight change of tack but uh, i'm sure you've heard that we run a scheme called roof cert which is all about professionalizing um and upskilling the roofing industry um 
and I know it's obviously a theme that you're sort of very keen on yourself, but do you have any advice that you would give roofers and, and sort of are looking to invest in themselves and upskill themselves? Do you have any sort of top tips for them? Um, I would think about, you know, what is their strategy for the future? Because one of the first things that I do with my clients is I get them to think about like where they want to be. So what is mm -hmm. their vision for their business? Like where do they see themselves in the next sort of, you know, five years time or even yeah. 10 years time? Like what does their big picture ne necessarily look like? Mm -hmm. So I was working with a roofing contractor a few years ago and, um, so I asked him this question when we first started working together and his first sort of answer was in 10 years time, he would want to be, you know, getting 150,000 pounds a year out mm. of his business and he would want to be able to, you know, sort of have more trips away and, and all of that. And I, and I looked at him, I thought, 10 years time, is that enough for you? <laughs> you know, it's, could, is there not a bigger vision, like £150,000 a year for 10 years' work? It yeah. doesn't feel like a lot. Yeah. And he started to think about it and he started to expand his thinking. And then he thought, okay, so what if I build up the business and sell it in 10 years' time for like £12 million? I'm like, <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> and, you know, at that stage you would have been, I don't know, 50 I mean, you could do a lot of with, you know, 12 million pounds and when you're 50 years of age and, and do all sorts. But um, but I, I think it's having that expansive thinking to think, well, mm -hmm. you know, let's th let's think big. Yeah. You know, let's have um, have some big thinking and big vision going on. And do you and do you think those roofers that you have spoken to are sort of more open to the idea of um, upskilling themselves and getting that professional accreditation? It's obviously something that's sort of not, um, you know, it's, other professions have that in place already, but it's not so, you know, president in the construction industry at the moment. Do you think that's sort of gaining pace? I think so. I mean, I don't know specifically with, you know, with roofing and, and that sort of accreditation, but I do know that the more that you invest in yourselves and the more, um, accreditation that you've got it is that sort of professionalizing the work that we do um so that people are taken more seriously uh, yes. I mean I was I was delivering a workshop this morning so um, I do some work for the supply chain sustainability school and I deliver fairness inclusion and respect um training and we were talking about how um, a lot of people on site don't necessarily kind of take themselves seriously enough they're not professional enough and I think mm -hmm. anything that we can do to raise those standards and and get people to sort of feel that pride in what they're doing I think will make a, a massive difference in mm. in how they act and how mm. they sort of carry themselves and 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 how they market themselves as well mm. yeah absolutely yeah because interesting when you look to the continent you know trades like roofing they're really rather mm. and you aspire to be a roofer and I think Absolutely. that's where we want to get to in this country, ultimately. And that's what we're trying to do with things like Rufsa. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, so clearly the days are getting darker, the weather's getting poorer. And, you know, with our members as well, they're just incredibly busy at the moment. And they're getting things thrown at them in all directions with things like the Green Homes Grant and having to you know, apply for different schemes and, and things like that. And I think it's, it's a tough time to be in, in the sector. And so clearly well-being um, becomes central then. And, you know, we, we at NFRC are doing a lot of work with the Samaritans um, to raise awareness about looking after your well-being. Um, I was just want, interested to know, you know, what advice you give um, SMEs um, on how to look after themselves and, and to stay kind of to stay well mentally um, 
you know, and particularly when when things are tough. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a few things to think about. I mean, I think first of all, um, I really encourage my clients to just try and get really strategic with where they're spending the time, because I think it's easy if you haven't got like a clear goal or or clear targets that you're wanting to achieve that week or that quarter or whatever, just to get pulled in lots of different directions. Mm. And a lot of my clients are feeling overwhelmed and they're feeling overwhelmed for different reasons. So one of them, you know, one of the the bits of overwhelm might be that they need to get other people on board to help them. Mm-hmm. And it could be that they could get a virtual assistant or mm. something like that. Like it doesn't have to be like a paid for member of staff but there are resources out there that you can tap into to sort of get help and and try and offload some of the admin side of things Mm -hmm. um but i think if and if you've it goes back to the the vision side of things so for example a roofing contractor i worked with recently i encourage them to to think about a financial plan for the future because Mm -hmm. if people are worried about finances and they're worried about cash flow I encourage them to get some advice from a financial planner just so that they knew what they needed to be taken out of their business Mm. um, and they wanted to invest in property investment in the future. Well, that's Mm. something that's going to be great from a, um, you know, for them, but they just need to know what numbers, like what figures do they need to be sort of getting out of their business. So I think Mm. anything that they can do to sort of, to have that vision and to have that goal I think will help them decide, okay, well, I don't want to put my energies there because it's going to take me away from what I'm doing. I need to get some support here because I'm feeling overwhelmed. And you can start to see a path forward forming, like whereas Mm -hmm. before you just might be feeling, you know, really overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. But also I would encourage things like meditation. Like I encourage Mm -hmm. um, clients to to meditate um just to sort of quiet the mind it doesn't have to be you know being all like the Dalai Lama or anything like that um but just just focusing on your breathing can really help calm you down like when you're in the thick of things um there's a great technique called 7-eleven breathing if you basically just breathe in for seven counts and you breathe in breathing out for 11 it can really sort of calm you down so that you can start to to like make some good decisions again um so i definitely you know think about something like that and also the mind is a really powerful thing and i encourage my clients to to use techniques such as visualization the type of techniques that sports people use so you know visualizing positive things like um you know there's a, a movement all about positive psychology like if you focus on positive things and you visualize positive things happening it can start to create new neural pathways in your brain and um for example the england football team when they were doing so well um a few years ago with i think it was gareth gareth southgate he got a sports psychologist in with them and 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 she sort of worked to help them visualize like scoring penalties and things like that um and you know and and i just think looking at things that you just wouldn't normally consider can can help you as well 
Absolutely. That sounds, yeah, really positive and slightly different approach, maybe, for many of our listeners as well. <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, you mentioned there sort of working with um, a roofing contractor and making a financial plan. And I know that you said you've, you've obviously spoken to numerous contractors over the time, but uh, what, what have you learned? Do you think there are any sort of significant themes that you've come up um, against with the roofing contractors and in discussion? Um, I think... Um, the fact that they're just so busy can sort of work against them sometimes. And mm. there's a there's a something that I heard um, a few years ago when I was on this like team um, building course is the concept of slowing down to speed up. <laughs> so sometimes you need to just slow down and take stock of where you're at and just mm. regroup before you speed up again. And I just think there's a danger that you know people are just going health for leather all the time and they're just you know their own they're impacting on their own well-being you know that they're just wanting to sort of keep going but I just think taking a step back and taking time out to focus on the business I think mm -hmm. is super super important yeah. and I don't think I don't think they're necessarily doing that because they kind of see it as a, a luxury rather than it's a necessity and what I'd say to anybody listening is when was the last time you took time out to focus on your business rather mm -hmm. than just be in it 24-7? Yeah, the day-to-day -day minutiae almost just takes over, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's, that's, that's fascinating. I think, you know, we could all do with a bit of that in our own jobs as well, you know, taking <laughs> that time out and away from the, the, the daily grind to think more strategically. Mm. Um so, so sadly, Maria, I mean, we've had a fascinating conversation and we could go in more depth into any of those topics, but we've only got, you know, 15 or 20 minutes on, on this podcast. So if people have liked what they've heard, where can they find out more information about uh, your, your business um, and, and how can they listen to your podcast? Yeah, so my podcast is on um, all the, the usual outlets. So it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, um, it's on SoundCloud, um, Podbean. Um, but yeah, it's The Construction Revolution. So you can have a search for the podcast there. Mm -hmm. And you can find my website, which is www.constructioncoach.uk. Um, Twitter. I mean, I don't know if any of your roofers are, are on Twitter, but it's at Construct Coach. But yeah, just reach out connect with me on LinkedIn as well. If you're on LinkedIn, I'm always happy to to make new connections. And if I can help in any way, I'm, I'm always happy to. Fantastic. Great. Thank you ever so much. <laughs> Thank you. And so now time for a technical tip of the podcast. Um, we're joined here by Gary Walpole. Uh, safety, Health and Environment Officer at NFRC. Um, hi, Gary. What have you got for us for this episode? Yeah, so the uh, technical team have been working on a guidance note for road access for roof work. Okay. So this guidance note has been developed at the request of the Scottish region due to the increase of contractors, mainly non-members, selecting road access as a default position when carrying out roof works. I don't know if you're aware, Phil, but tenement buildings in Scotland uh, are about three to five storeys high and make up a large percentage of the housing stock of Edinburgh and Glasgow. What do you and mean by tenement, uh, Gary? They're, they're like large tenant buildings. Mm. Um, 
in Scotland and uh, mainly in the city centres of uh, Edinburgh and Glasgow. Yeah, I but know. They're, yeah. They're, yeah, but they're about three to four storeys high. Mm. Uh, so they're quite tall. And obviously accessing the roof safely can prove costly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So what they're doing is contractors are, you know, selecting rope access over other forms of equipment. Mm. And whilst ropes can be an effective way of gaining access to the roof and allowing the worker to be supported whilst carrying out the roof repair, rope access must not be viewed as a default access requirement when planning roof work. And it's important that each of the duty holders should be able to justify with confidence why they have selected rope access over other forms of access methods that may provide collective measures which protect everyone working at high and including the public below. Hmm. So what, and what the cost, the obviously... Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Philip, I missed that bit. What were the alternatives then to, to rope access? Would you- well, a cherry picker, for example, um, would, would you, you know, and if you select a cherry picker, you're not actually building a scaffold or, or having to access, you know, via ropes. So you can actually get in the bar basket at the ground and then use uh, mechanical methods to, to put you into that um, mm. position to carry out the the uh, repairs so that's just one method but mm-hmm. scaffolding or 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 even um a, a mobile tower will provide a suitable working platform which mm-hmm. a rope won't so mm-hmm. you know and uh, but these are more costly and the mm-hmm. cost of access equipment should never become a factor when planning yes. works mm-hmm. and and this is why we have developed the guidance note to help mm-hmm. our educate local authorities and building owners mm. on their responsibilities as duty, hold, duty holders uh, for checking that any contractor they appoint to access and carry out work is competent to do the work safely. Mm. Mm. And Gary, who is the um, organisation we did this guy's note with? Um, well, the, 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 um, we work with the Industrial Rope Access Trade Association, right, okay. which is probably known as ARATA. Mm. And obviously that encur- that, that um, association encourages career progression for rope access technicians, which ensures a safe system of work. And each technician is required to recertify every three years to demonstrate they maintain the necessary abilities to work safely. And they can also progress through three levels of qualification uh, as time, experience and training allows, which obviously each each uh, level demands greater knowledge of the skills required for rope access. So, you know, we think this is a baseline competence for selecting um, anyone to work fr- from ropes on roofs. Mm. And so, Gary, just to, to conclude then, so if one of our members, you know, not just in Scotland, but anywhere in, in around the UK, is thinking about using rope access or they're being asked to by their client, what would you recommend? What stages should they go through first? 
Yeah, they, well, they should buy, always apply the principles of prevention. <laughs> you know, we start, with, you know, the work at height regs um, starts with, you know, the hierarchy of control is avoid work at height if you can. And if you can't, then select equipment um, that protects, that provides um, uh, collective measures of protection. Um, so so you're, you've really got to start on the hierarchy and see if you can remove the risk or if you can't, how can you prevent it and uh, prevent the risk by, you know, collective measures. And if, you know, so actually rope access is almost right at the bottom of the hierarchy because basically rope, rope access is personal protective equipment. It's mm. only going to protect you, which is why it's important that anyone selecting that is properly trained, and that's why we recommend that you are um, you you are a, a level of errata training. Mm. Mm. And not just anyone turning up with uh, a rope from the local uh, mountaineering shop. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not, definitely not, no. Good. All right, thank you very much, Gary. So that's it for this episode. Thank you very much to Maria Coulter for sharing her wisdom with us. Thank you to Gary for his technical tip. And thank you all for listening. Um, do share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and on social media. And do tune in to the next episode, which will be a Christmas special. So goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.